Welcome back to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for being with us. This edition is made possible by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, good morning, Fred. And it's April. Oh, my goodness. And a beautiful day here in Jersey. It is, and we are happy to have with us from Baidu, the general manager of Apollo Autonomous Driving USA, Helen Pan. Hi, Helen. Hi, Fred. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me to join this talk. Uh, very happy to have you, Helen. And also with us today is Jerry Hud, the executive director of CARTS Mobility. Hi, Jerry. Hi, everyone. Jerry's going to be joining us a, a bit more later on to talk about the upcoming Smart Driving Cars Summit. Well, Helen, you've joined Baidu's Intelligent Driving Group back in 2017. You had previously worked at Waymo, Google X, Intel, and Keysight. To begin with, give us an overview of the work that the Apollo Self-Driving Group at Baidu is doing. Hi, Fred. And Alan, uh, so um, for Baidu, Apollo USA, we are focused on the autonomous driving technology and we're developing this uh, new technology, trying to bring the mobility to the society and uh, to be able to provide the driverless technology to the overall. Well, Helen, tell us more about where the testing that you're doing is taking place today. The layer three cities we are starting in Wuhan, Chongqing, and Beijing. And tell us about it. You're operating uh, robo-taxis. And do they have attendants or, or safety drivers? Oh, that's a great question. Actually, um, uh, we have operating in more cities, but mainly in this, uh, uh, we operate in 11 cities. And mainly in these three cities, we're actually providing the driverless uh, service to the public. And uh, we have, uh, uh, we recently removed the safety driver from the vehicle. And now we have a radar only service in Chongqing, Wuhan, and uh, Beijing. Can you tell us more about how many vehicles are involved in, in this program and uh, more about the kind of testing, how this works? Is this open to the general public? Oh, yeah. Actually, in Wuhan, we are starting to have uh, uh, 100 vehicles and we targeting to serving the largest area in the uh, in globally. And uh, so in this, we have been to be open to the public. And back to the December, we already uh, accumulated more than 1 million right to the public. And as today in the uh, March, we will reach 2 million uh, riders to the public. And we're trying to introduce this new mobility technology to the society and then let them to be able to try out the uh, new technology and provide us the feedback. So far, we already gathered more than a uh, lot of feedback. R roughly about 94% uh, um, or more give us uh, five stars. And in overall, we have uh, uh, the five point is the total score. And we actually received the consumer's rating 4.9. It was really high score. And we're very glad uh, the, in China, the population and the residents in there actually enjoying this new service uh, by doing offer to them. And are they paying passengers or is this a test mode where people are not paying yet for these rides? Uh, it is paying customer, but we give heavily discount. Yeah. Alan, do you want to join in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess we've been involved in this technology for now some time. Mm -hmm. you 
at least this piece of it, at least um, I like to say we started with the DARPA challenges. You know, other people might assess some other starts, but, you know, that was um, mid-2000, zero, zero. So it's now getting on to um, 20 years, and um, and we've had enormous expectations. Uh, uh, when one looks at the DARPA challenges, uh, I mean, they, they changed the mindset, and uh, the mindset of automation um, um, instead of instead of putting a, a lot of technology in the in the way in the roadway, um, it became obvious to everybody that uh, oh my goodness, let's just put the technology in the vehicles and not ask anything from the roadway because otherwise, to build a business out of this, you're forced to have a vehicle and a roadway, and as we many of us tried for 40 years prior to the um, to the DARPA challenges, <laughs> building the roadway that would accept the automated vehicle proved impossible. Impossible. I mean, we built three systems in the world. None of them expanded. None of them started and grew, let alone achieved scale. And even though we, we studied them in New Jersey, my goodness, with students, we built uh, networks, that, uh, we designed networks on a computer, of course, you know, 10,000 stations, 10,000 miles of guideway provide ooh, fabulous mobility, basically to everybody in New Jersey. Um, and of course, if you put it in the exclusive roadway, safety's safety's not trivial, but really easy. And um, and it never got anywhere. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the guideway would have cost a quarter of a trillion. Who knows what? Not even the Chinese government could have afforded it. Um, and the number of meetings one would have had to go in communities to get permission to build a, a guideway past somebody's wind bedroom window was <laughs> we were we were just I don't want to say stupid, but we were naive. Wasn't gonna happen. And the beauty of 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 the DARPA challenges was, oh my goodness, why not use the roadways that are out there already and just sneak on with a couple of vehicles? I mean, you know, you work at Waymo. So what Waymo did, what they do, they kind of like two vehicles, you know, just went out there in Nevada. Nobody, nobody knew. I mean, I, I actually took the Princeton vehicle that we had in the 2005 challenge. And I went down an I-5 with it. Went down the, went down the Vegas Boulevard. I mean, they would have thrown me in jail if they would have caught me. But the idea was that all of a sudden you had an opportunity to put the, the intelligence in the vehicle and then just use the roadways that are there. So all of a sudden, the quarter of a trillion dollars that you needed to do to build a system that might serve everybody in Jersey, you didn't have to do. But now here we are almost 20 years. And 
we read that you're making great progress in China. And, and that's why we have you here is to, us under, to understand that here in the US, we're nowhere. I mean, poor, poor General Motors Cruise is out there. I, I don't think I've seen a positive article about their operation in any newspaper. Mm. Everybody's complaining about who knows what. Waymo was testing, doing tests on a, on a cul-de-sac in San Francisco. Why would you test in a cul-de-sac in San Francisco? I guess because you want to provide service to that cul-de-sac. People who live there call the cops on them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, where we are here in the United States, I don't know. I don't know what we'll, we'll try to talk with you and what your aspirations are to, to bring the Baidu technology to the U.S. and provide the, the fantastic mobility that all these systems are supposed to provide that we all dream about, that we all think can provide economic and societal benefit improve the quality of life of New Jerseyans, improve, improve, improve the economic competitiveness of New Jersey. We can't even get anybody paying any attention to come to New Jersey. Nobody's even come. Oh, it's a great state. It's a great, yeah. People say, tell us it's a great state. We're out here begging. Maybe it's just me, me and Jerry and me, me, Jerry and Fred. I don't know. The three of us, oh my goodness, here we are. We've talked to the people of New Jersey, at least certain kind of people. Mm -hmm. And they want, to, they want to give you six stars, not just five stars. But nobody's seen, nobody's. So we're really frustrated here. And that's why we really want to talk with you is to, is to really... How do we how do we do this so that it's not what we tried to do with things like personal rapid transit and automated mobility with guideways for since 1970, mm. maybe 68 even one could even think and got nowhere. They didn't even build one in China. Well, that was before China, whatever. 1968, China was a little different. <laughs> but anyway, so how in China you're providing mobility to customers where the vehicle shows up empty, they get in, they go someplace, they get out, mm -hmm. and the vehicle is then empty again, and it goes someplace and serves somebody else. Correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Oh, I want to. Um... So, how do you do that? What What is the operational design domain? What is what What's the oversight that you provide on this? To because you know the the the, the critical thing here in the U.S. is everybody's worried about safety, which we should be. Okay. How do you do it? Tell us your, can you tell us your secret? We're all dying to learn the secret because that is just a non-trivial thing to do. Yes. 
That's absolutely true. So, so we want we want to hear about it. I mean, how do you do it? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Actually, um, I I start working after I think uh, after the DAPA challenge on the DAPA actually hosts the two challenges. One challenge yeah. on the open field, another challenge in the city. And the both of them were yeah. pretty successful. Actually, yeah. light up the industry to seeing this potential to have yeah. the yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's why I think uh, the early stage Google jump in right after this challenge and uh, they hired yeah. the professor from Stanford and then starting this uh, Google X, this secret project. When I yeah. joined, actually it's uh, already more than 200 engineers working on this project. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, um, I, I have to see a couple of things. There are a group of people, uh, not just me, and also some of my old colleague, my current colleague and uh, many of us, has been uh, extremely passionate about this new technology. And I've been working in it almost eight years. And there are many of them working them uh, longest, probably starting in their graduate school, 16 years or 12 years, the longest. So, so which is uh, many of them actually, when you're working for a particular field for such a long time, you actually have really uh, believing it and passionate about it. And as you mentioned about it, it's definitely not uh, an easy task. When I joined uh, this project, I just getting really excited. I thought, oh, there's uh, more than 200 engineers working on it. I might be joined too late. And uh, later on, <laughs> after so many years passed, I finally realized I never joined late. I joined too early, <laughs> um, which is uh, address you, your challenge. It was really, really extremely uh, uh, challenging task. That's why it take extremely long time. And at this stage, because we've been running more like running for marathon and running for a long, very long, long time and reaching to the point, a lot of times people starting to uh, losing the confidence. But I think there still have a lot of us working there in the industry has extremely passionate about it. And also as more years, years pass by, we see the promise and we see the breakthrough. Like the recently, uh, the LLM, large language model. Everybody knows the new wave about chat GPT and what it can do showing the AI technology. And I think uh, one of the pioneer uh, was a scientist and was saying uh, last week actually was uh, pointed out, if you ask him before, they will say the AGI, artificial general intelligence, take another 20 to 40 years. But now if you ask me, I will say less than 20 years. And if somebody will tell me it will happen in five years, I believe so, it could be. So which is, I want to say, it definitely is extremely challenging because this technology we bring to the society is top number one, is safety first. And also it is also by do Apollo's principle, safety first as our, uh, the principle, uh, the top priority. As when we're doing this, and this also re, uh, re, regarding the transportation and touch everybody's day-to-day -day life. So because that one, actually we take extremely cautious with a lot, lot of uh, uh, simulations and uh, uh, closed field venue testing and then all the methodologies to do the test and then gradually open to the public. Even when we open to the public, we also starting with the geo fenced as well with the uh, safety driver. And then when we feel build up our confidence and we have tons of enough of the testing result, then we're starting to remove the safety driver. And as today, uh, one other challenging we have is the uh, government policy. 
And we also only can operate in certain regions. And also, we also have time limitation as well with the government control. They want to make sure we be able to provide this uh, technology to society to bring the safe to everybody. Um, so that's why um, I think in the, um, it, yeah, it takes yeah. time to make yeah. this technology ready to be able to bring to the society. It's not a, a, a short journey. And also, as we only going to these three cities, we are also in a, a certain region of the city, not all the cities, everywhere. And uh, I think in, uh, with more and more time, we uh, continue to boost in this technology and we'll see the more adaptation. Another thing I want to also mention in here is uh, a starting drop, you maybe have a question, but um, another dimension I want to uh, See, actually, uh, globally, roughly about the three major regions is geared towards autumn driving. So US and uh, Asia and uh, Europe. So in here, there's one of the uh, thing very unique in China is uh, in the past 30 or 40 years, it was a lot of changes in the country. And the generation will grow up in this uh, period and they've been experiencing the changes a lot. I was born in China, and uh, um, when I typically people say you have a generation gap, it's about 10 years. Like I have my generation gap with my yeah, children. And in China, they say this generation gap is three years. So that means 40 years uh, or 30 years, you look at it is more than 10 generations and 13 generations. That's a huge number. Uh, because of that reason, so they are more open to new technology they actually use uh, back to the new uh, new things happen around them. And because with this, they are be able to see uh, their tech, uh, they, are, they are more willing to try the new technology. That's maybe the adaptation is more openly in China. That's what I see. And in US, I think it's also a, a society has a lot of innovations and pioneer in here. So I also, I do see what you're seeing on the newspapers. They are uh, trying to writing some, any little thing happened to the, to the competitor like Waymo and Cruz will be show up in the news. But if you look at the overall performance from their latest development, it was pretty good. It's not really we uh, the people working in this field seeing a lot of their progress and also seeing their lot of their uh, performance is get is closer to the human behaviors and actually if you look at the true numbers I think it's safer to the generation uh, the general of the uh, general pub um, drivers. What what are oh, by yeah, well, I mean, in the U.S.? Uh, I think you, Alan, you were asking Fred, about that. What, yeah, what are the I, ambitions like, here, Fred? Before we get to that, I'd like to I'd like to also comment. I I of course agree with everything you say. I mean, absolutely. Um, um, and you know, I just want to throw in there that I had the the fantastic pleasure of uh, of visiting China in November nineteen seventy eight. It's one of the first um, scholarly exchanges with the with wow. China, and so um, and it and I have enormously fond memories of my travels and I've traveled to China many times since, and and so yeah, absolutely it's been it's amazing uh, the, uh, the 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 change absolutely, but I guess what I'd like to I'd like to get back to you. 
the tough thing with this technology is is not the the asymptotic vision into the future as to all the great that it can do. I think we're you know it's been obvious to many of us for a very long time that we're there. The issue is is that we're tripping over over ourselves trying to get started and getting started and, and, and relating back to technologies with guideways, personal rapid transit, and so on. Unfortunately, we never got started. We can never get started. Here, the struggle is getting started. And, and, and the operational design domain of where you start is really important, as you've pointed out. I guess what, what, what I and I think our, our viewers would like to understand is not where this is going to go X years from now and save the world. We know we know what that is. What what operational design domain did you start in? Where are you started? You know what are the hours of operation? What are? How did you decide on on the on the um, um, geofence limits? And it's really not geofencing. We know it's not. It's not. Hey, this area. It's really streets, intersections, network connectivity to pick up points those are the important pieces doesn't mean you operate i hope you don't say hey i'm going to take this area i operate on all the streets i don't know i mean i think that's and what we're struggling with here in in in, uh, in the u.s i believe is trying to find a place where we can start and be enormously successful not only in terms of safety, because that's a necessary requirement so that we don't crash, but also as a business case that we have a customer who actually cherishes the mobility that we put out there and that that customer is a repeat customer. Mm -hmm. Why is that necessary to have a repeat customer? Because Customer acquisition, I don't know what it is in China, but it must be the same thing it is in the United States. It's expensive. And what you want is somebody who's going to come back and come back and come back because what are you in the business of providing? Mobility. You're not selling this and then they take it home and use it, I don't think. Okay. I mean, all the all the car companies, Ford said, I guess with Argo, they were going to make this and people were going to go buy it and take it home. Is what they decided. Mm. There's no business there. They closed it down. Okay. Probably realizing that if they sell one of these to me, oh my goodness, <laughs> they're in trouble. Probably, I go, or I'll never buy it. But, but I, my understanding is you're in the mobility business, you're getting a ride from somebody to somebody who has certain desires to go from here to there at a certain time. And they go there and you offer that, that to them at a price. And they say, great, I want to buy it. I think we would love to know here in the U.S. what that is. What are they buying? Is it really an Uber ride or a DD ride? Is it really that takes you to, that, that's the equivalent of taking you to Newark Airport? I don't believe it. Whenever I, I took my wife to Newark Airport recently, like an Uber driver, and dropped her off, 
the amount of intelligence that I thought I had to apply to be able to make it to door three, level three, mm -hmm. terminal C, Newark airport, and negotiate all the crazies that were there, chat GPT can't do it. My view. Mm -hmm. So is that the market that you're really serving? You're doing that? Or is it something else you haven't told us? I would love to give me an example of a customer that you've served repeatedly in one of the in China that every other day says, I want to use you to do this. Who's the customer? How are they? What are they using? Can you can you tell us? Oh, okay. I was uh, really uh, too good to hear this question. Um, so in here, actually, um, what I see is this way. Um, there are a lot of uh, um, a lot of customer actually very interested in this new technology. Of course, many of them actually just want to try out to see they take a, you know, more like a, they, they uploading their videos to the online and to show and you can search the internet and you can find out a lot of them. I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. But, but to me, that's not a customer. Mm. That's not a customer. I, I don't want to give you advice, but that's not a customer that I think you should want. Why? Because it's one and done. You've had to get that customer, do that. They do their, their selfie. They put it out there. They tell their mother in the world, da, 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 da. And they don't come back. Now, That's if you tell me, if you tell me they come back and they then use you every day, I want to hear about that. Mm. I want to hear where they're coming from, where they're going to, and what that is. Because, because if this is going to be a business, which... I can't imagine Baidu's anything into anything that isn't going to be a business. I under, you know, I understand there are other objectives in China, and we have other objectives here than just a business. But this is supposed to be a business, I think, <laughs> that people say, hey, you know, here, you want so much money, good, and you get discounts, great. And I hope they're not too great so that you still uh, at least you know, can see that you're going to be able to at scale to be able to have enough productivity out of these, one of these vehicles to be able to, you know, survive. Because otherwise, it's goodbye. You know, it's it's Ford Argo. So please, sorry, sorry to. No, no, no. I understand. You know, I mean, yeah. th this is what I think our listeners would like to know because we haven't seen it written. GM Cruz hasn't told us who that is. Neither is Waymo. Okay. They could tell us that they've gone however million miles. They've told us essentially nothing about the customer and how, how, how that customer has been a, a, a customer who, you know, you're not going to make very much on a single ride. Therefore, the only way to make it a business is to scale it. Mm -hmm. a lot of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Lyft and, and Uber and, and Didi may not make it because they're not serving enough rides. 
Are any of them profitable yet? I don't know. We won't we'll, we'll bring them on and ask them. But, uh, you know. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. a really great point. Yeah, uh, eventually it has to go through the uh, scaling. Yeah, uh, address your question. In the early stage, because this new technology, we get a lot of uh, catch people's eyes to starting trying out. But as a beginning point, but in long runs, and we exactly like you mentioned, we need a long term for the customer who is a local resident and coming, you know, go to work and come home, only going to run some errand and to buy some uh, uh, from grocery store. And we we want attracting the people to taking the robot taxi as regular uh, customers. Visit friends, yes, do do the normal things we do with our car or that, walk. Sometimes it's too far to walk, so. Talk yeah. to me about how you're you're doing that. Okay. Yeah. So we are, uh, as I mentioned, in Wuhan, we have like a 100 vehicle operating in driverless uh, operation, mm -hmm. and uh, with a starting point, and everybody actually now in the whole industry is a starting point trying to try out we're trying to be able to see how we'll be able to reach there so a couple of things as mentioned it's not really it's about vision actually it's starting to happening so uh, when we deliver the autonomous driving technology we bring the safety we want we targeted to get more safer than the human and because that run reason and we be able to uh to be able to overcome of the human like a human fatigue and the human uh drunk the computer doesn't get drunk computer doesn't get fatigue most timely yeah and the, if the malfunction we have the you know fallback system we have triple safety system to be able to ensure it's always operating in the right mode and because that so we are be able to provide the safer of the ride another thing we can address to the uh to the society who has not been able to get this kind of capability. And we're trying to address to the uh, younger younger generations and younger, and also we are targeting for the elders as well with the disabilities and be able to serve all of them with this freedom. That's why we call mobility, moving from one point to another point. Another thing is the sustainability. We're trying to make sure it's the our ergo safety is, make sure we all use electrical vehicle uh, with the electrical vehicle, we're trying to make the urban environmental safe. On top of that one, and uh, be able to providing this uh, service to the society, and we build up their uh, habit. We're trying to use this service introduced to, in Wuhan, we actually currently can address about 1.5 million uh, populations range. Even in a geofence location, and we'll be able to reach out this much population. And another uh, little bit of thing compared to the US and China, the population density in China is much of a condensed compared to the US. So in here, it may be have better for the service required to be able to serve. So in this way, we hopefully to be able to build up this uh, capability in the society and learn to try out and to come out our of the uh, come out our business model and uh, as this way and eventually actually if you try out the autonomous driving and you will be able saying actually have a, we actually can be able to be more efficient i mean efficient this means we can point deliver from point a to point b actually with better than a, a human driver like uber or dd yeah that's how okay. we be able to so, compete. So, so yeah. your 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 competitor is Didi. Is that correct? Uh, no, no. Uh, we are um actually we we can be partner. Yeah, I don't see. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if 
you've taken so many riders. Mm-hmm. You told us you've had, you've had, a, you've given a, a million, two million rides. Is that right? You said you. Yeah, you, we reached about two, two million rides. Yeah. Two million, wh- whatever, yes, whatever. The number, whatever the number is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, things that I would like to ask you, and, and I don't know that you'll answer them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two million rides. How many different people does that cover? Is it two million? Everybody rode once. Mm. How many of that? How many people rode once? How many people have taken two rides? How many people have taken three rides? How many people have taken four rides? How many people have taken five rides? What's that distribution? That's what I would like to know. Or that's what because because if the service that you're providing out there to the marketplace is being consumed by the market chosen independently that's the way i want to go i don't want to take dd i don't want to walk i don't want to take the subway i don't want to take a, a vtol who knows what i want you okay mm-hmm. okay you know we in the operational design domain this is what we're struggling with here okay here in new jersey we've done our simulations and so on we think you bring 100 vehicles in here we're going to give you productivity that so each of those vehicles is going to serve 100 person trips a day, 100 a day, mm-hmm. each vehicle and the average vehicle occupancy and so on shared ride because of the kind of, of mobility and so on that we're offering. There's such a demand for it that, in fact, um, you know, average vehicle occupancies approaching three. Mm-hmm. OK, what are your average vehicle occupancies? And so on. There, if you then do that with in an operational design domain, you have a business. Why? Because the mobility that you're offering and the people that you're offering it to, heaven forbid, unfortunately, they don't own a car. Otherwise, they'd be taking it. They're probably, a number of them are under 18 or 16 or whatever the age is in New Jersey to get a driver's license. Some of them are old. Very few of them care that this thing is automated. They better not. Because in the beginning, they're probably going to be afraid of it. Okay? It's, you know, they care about going from A to B at time T, when they want to go. Mm-hmm. When the bus comes that doesn't take them, that's why they don't take the bus. Not when the subway comes and and doesn't go where they want to take them or come from where they are. I mean, otherwise they're walking, okay? Those are the customers we think we have in New Jersey waiting for one of these systems. Those are real customers because they'll use you almost every day. Sure, there'll be some that use you one and done, but all of a sudden, you provide a service that changes their lives, mm-hmm. allows them to get to a job. So apparently, you're doing that with your 100 vehicles mm-hmm. in the service. We'd like to understand what does that service look like? Do you pick them up at the doorstep and take them to the doorstep? Is that what you do? Do you do shared rides? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Do you yeah. offer it 24 seven? Do you only offer it from certain places to certain places where they have to then come to and then go to? Do you allow somebody else to sh share with them? I, I don't think you've, you, you've expressed that or written that anywhere. Excuse me for not searching completely. I, I should have asked Ch Chat GPT if you did that. I, I know, never mind. That's, that's a silly comment. Okay. But really, this is what, what we're trying to understand. Because right now, as we look at those who are trying to do this in the US, they've, they've, they've not found a market. They've not found a repeat customer. They've not found anybody that wants to do it for anything more than a selfie. And that's why this technology in the US right now is close to dead. Okay, my humble opinion. And I've been in this for more than 50 years. So, you know, but whatever that means, I guess I'm old and senile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, if you're 40 years, you're much longer than me. And you already know, you know, actually, you're still in this field. That means you already have a lot of passion about it. Um, of course I do. I mean, you know, I mean, I live in, I live in, breathe this stuff. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I can share you some of the data uh, I have on hand. So Please. give you some Please. of the, actually it's really good point. The major point, uh, so there are a couple of things if you want to make a business. So you'll be able to make a profit and you could be able to bring generating revenue. So one thing you already mentioned about is scaling. We have really scale up. That's another thing you also mentioned about. The major thing we really care about it is if we can be able to let uh, the customer continue to use our service. Not, you know, not to be, you know, not to be able saying just try out once and not going to use it anymore. So in here, uh, I have some data back to uh, um, 2021 and okay. here, and we actually, uh, we asked us about the same question because we're trying to do business. And the, of course. Uh, this is, uh, we tried in four cities, Beijing, Guangzhou, Changsha, and Changzhou. In these four cities, we give ride about uh, um, uh, 400,000 ride in there. After the 400,000 ride back in 2021, and we check out the people be able to come back to try out uh, the next month, the, um, we spout a 39.3 percentage. And then also the next month, they continue increase. So, which is I thinking is quite a lot of the um, customer and consumers people stay in these platforms and uh, to use this app and call their taxi. At least you know consider this once they are alternatively using other DD service or other service locally be, be available. As you mentioned about uh, actually. Um, as I exploring this opportunity to do our time driving uh, in different countries and different cities. And what I see is another thing is also like you mentioned about it. Actually in a, a population dense uh, uh, cities, you want to have a uh, bus subways so you can be able to move a lot of people from one location to next location. But also because of their diversified need, in China, similar as US too, you can find out that the, most of the people still like drive their personal cars from one place to another place. So the car sharing, the vehicle sharing is very low. It's like a low digit of a little bit of what be about one. But with the mobility, 
we want targeting this one to move this number to be able to two or three. So in this way, we can be able really forcing the sharing. By sharing, we actually bring another angle of the sustainability to be environmental energy safe. That's yeah, a well, point I want to. So which is, I think, in, uh, in government point of view, this new of the technology coming will bring more of the uh, consumers to be able to share and have better for the opportunity to, to make this society become more sustainable. Yeah, I, I, of course. I mean, that's that's again. We we see that same thing that that the, that the ride sharing is is the road is the way to sustainability because, you know, I mean, there's no ride sharing with personal cars in in Princeton this morning, which is a school morning. The average vehicle occupancy in Princeton in cars was less than one. The average vehicle occupancy in Princeton was less than one. Why? You say, we have automated cars? No. We have a parent going from home, taking a kid to school, and coming back home. For those two trips, the average vehicle occupancy is 0.5. There's only one valuable trip, the kid going to school. The, the other person that's in the vehicle is might as well be your computer. No, not right. they don't they don't count as a ride to mm -hmm. society. No, the kid had to go to school. Chose to have a so it's lesson one. You, you look at you look at the the high occupancy lanes in California. Even if there are two people in there, average vehicle occupancy is essentially one. The other person, they wouldn't have taken another car. They're being dragged along. Mm -hmm. Okay. It didn't take a car off the road to put it, you know, because there are two people in it. It's, it's, a, it's a fiction. And so, yes, absolutely. These vehicles do have the opportunity with shared runnets because they can provide mobility in this in this very this space of, of operational design domain, origins and destinations served and time. It's very sparse. Most of the time, there's just one person in there. You couldn't wait all day, nobody else is gonna go with them. Other places there are opportunities to do that. So in fact, you know, the, you know, you're absolutely right. This is something, and and I guess I'd like to understand those hundred vehicles that you've had operating. You know, how many shared rides have you had? How many people did were you able to so far? Hey, in such a dense area, look, we got that. Please make that available, because if we understand that the kind of service that you're offering, forget the technology. It's a service. Anybody's using this in the long run business, they're not going to care whether there's LIDAR, SHMIDAR, or whatever DARS on there, or whose G chat GPT is in there doing what. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to think that it's going it's safe or safe enough for them. Mm -hmm. And it's going to get them from where they are to where they want to go at a price that they're going to say, I love you. That's the business. And nobody wants to talk about that aspect of it. 
nobody, very few people want to talk about it. And, and it's a shame because this is as the opportunity of being able to provide a service that the bus doesn't do it. And I've had to buy a car that is really expensive. Mm. And I'm too young to drive a car. So I can't even do that. Or I'm too old and I shouldn't. Or I'm too poor, I need to feed my family instead of this. To me, that's the business. And it seems as if that with your 100 vehicles, you're, I hope you're seeing that that is the business. This is the business that we think we have here in New Jersey. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit, uh, Alan, about uh, Baidu's plans in the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear about them. I, I want to bring Are you going to come to Jersey? Are you going to come to Jersey? We'd love you to come to Jersey. We want you to come. We have I customers think you made for that you. pretty clear. Let's let's hear from Helen. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, I'll give you another couple point of the data we have lately on the driverless service in Wuhan. Actually, uh, we uh, people at uh, one car at peak time can serve about 20 of the customers, 10, 20 rides per day. So that's another target point you can be able to calculate it based on your uh, your calculation. Another thing is- uh, we, 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 In Jersey, we would like you to be able to serve 100 rides a day. We think you do. We, we, think, we think that the target should be 100 person trips a day, okay? Because the productivity level at 100 person trips a day, the vehicle can cost almost anything you want. And the cost of the vehicle is almost zero. Yeah. Okay. And therefore, you can you can go out there and afford to put out there a really competitive price, and you can beat DD, Lyft, and so on easily because they have to pay for a driver. Okay. You have a computer that you you can run that thing out productivity wise, such that boom, it costs. I mean. That's the beauty of, of, of computers. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Let's let Helen answer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was a good good point. Yeah. Um uh so so we uh you know I back to the Wuhan region, we have this uh we, we starting the service actually now starting from the 7 a.m. to the uh, 11 p.m. at nighttime. And the the region we currently covered have the population residency over 1.5 million of residents. So in this kind of thing, we use this as tryout. So be able to have all the questions you just asked to hopefully getting all our answers and then be able to see how we be test out of the proper, uh, you know, the profitability and the business model and how to commercialize it. And similar things uh, for this year in Wuhan, we are actually targeting maybe have like uh, reached to 200 driverless vehicle. We continue gradually increase the size of the fleet operation and then providing more of the uh, testing point as well as the commercialization data for us to be able to study how we be able to expand it, how we be able to use this knowledge to others. And I totally agree with you. Is the productivity mainly coming from to uh, saying how we can be able to get more of the uh, more of the service per day and per vehicle. And uh, yeah, if I can reach 100 rides per vehicle per day, that's amazing. That's actually the best we want to see, yeah. Okay, um, so um, actually in Baidu, uh, Apollo, 
we mainly targeting uh, the market in China currently. And we have a, a small fleet operation in US, in California for testing purpose. And uh, we also try out in the uh, local region. And so with that, I thinking, yeah, we hopefully, if someday we also can come to New Jersey, yeah. Well, we, we would love you to come to New Jersey because <laughs> we think, at least some of us think, that we have places where you can start and be successful. Like at Trenton, it only has a population of 90,000 people, but it has an addressable market on a daily basis of something like, uh, for a service, something like 135,000 person trips a day, addressable market in a, in a, con in a low constant uh, density area where you can have repeat customers. It's not a big area. So technologically, it's not that tough. But to, to take this and start in a big area, being able to go from anywhere to anywhere and then get yourself like, like GM and Waymo have gotten themselves in trouble in San Francisco. Why? Because, oh, we wanted to do it at a hard place. The argument wasn't, hey, that's where we can really provide mobility. In fact, if you look, if you look at what GM did, Cruise, they offered service only at night, which is beautiful. Why? Because Mooney doesn't run at night. So that, you know, there's no there's no public transportation service at night. And people who want to go from who knows where to who knows where at two o'clock in the morning, this is beautiful. Computers sitting around saying, hey, plus it's easier because all the crazies aren't out on the road and the kids aren't playing ball in the street. So it really is beautiful. They never got a chance to express that. San Francisco hasn't appreciated it. My goodness. Well, what a shame. That's, that's what we've talked about from the beginning here is that yeah. provided, providing this mobility when it's needed, where it's needed, people who really do have a, a need for it. Let's bring Jerry in for, for some comments and questions here too. Jerry? Yeah. Okay, Jerry, jump in. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, Helen. Um, uh, I think there are some unique aspects of uh, Apollo's approach to autonomy. Um, for one, you guys uh, uh, open source your open platform, I believe, a few years ago, which is pretty unique in this industry. So I was wondering if you can talk a little bit more about your the rationale behind it and what's the reception in the uh, developer community. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, I you, you know so much talk with Alan and Frank, <laughs> and I didn't even touch this. Uh, you know, yes, we actually actually that's the reason I joined Baidu <laughs> because it's open source and. Uh, um, so it was really, um, uh, so the vision here, we want to have a, a women situation. We want to have this open society to bring the, uh, all the contribution from the, all the developers inside just, you know, closed door and in-house alone development. So with this way, we hopefully to be able to um, getting, we have a lot of partner in education, in universities and also uh, startups, so they can start in, uh, contributing here. And in this way, we we thinking uh, exactly like uh, Alan earlier mentioned about, he's been in this field for 40 years. So this is not an easy task. 
And since the day one, we look at it by do starting back to 2013. And then when we, when we start working on it, we are already realized this is not a simple task. So we need all the talent globally to join in and to contribute in here. So that's why we have this open platform, yeah. Yeah, I, let, let me just add a little bit on that. I think, you know, one of the things that we've also argued is we, we, we need the openness to deal with the safety aspects of this, is that the, the industry has to cooperate on safety, not compete on safety. Because anybody, one person, if Baidu's unsafe, it ruins it for everybody. If Waymo's unsafe, it ruins it for everybody. If who knows whom is unsafe, they ruin it for everybody. So all the people in this field need to cooperate on safety. Now, you know, in the U.S., we have a problem with cooperation and antitrust and, you know, legal aspects associated with that. And it's, you know, it's a tough thing to do here in the U.S., uh, but my goodness, we should absolutely be cooperating on safety. I mean, that's not competing on safety. And I think you you agree with that. And you, you go even farther. You you basically say, hey, look, here, here's here's what we do. And that's really valuable because because, you know, sitting there and, and hiding one's mistakes or something like that and so on and not allowing people not having complete visibility in these things. I mean, nobody's one has to be able to gain trust from customers. You know, it's amazing anybody gets into an airplane today. I mean, if you think of how safe airplanes were when people first got in, look what happened to dirigibles. It had one crash and it's goodbye to the whole thing. And that happened just not too far from here in Jersey, too, uh, the Hindenburg uh, explosion. Okay, completely, you know, forget forget that. Forget those things. Ended it. And so, you know, for this, you know, we've already had one bad crash, which was Elaine Herzberg. And, and, you know, we've got to cooperate on safety because, boy, if, you, if you're perceived as not being safe, you don't have you don't have a chance of it having a customer, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not not we're, a chance. We're, we're running out of time with Helen. Yeah. You, okay, yeah. Time. Sorry. No, I love having Helen on here. I mean, we we actually have somebody who knows what's going on. I mean, who's in it? I mean, we're all on the outside. Jerry, Jerry, maybe you have a couple this. more points you want to you want to touch on, and then, and then we can let Helen uh, maybe kind of wrap up with what the what the grand yeah. vision is yeah. there like yeah. where we are today and where you see this in, in the next couple of years yeah but i Jerry, just have one quick question with regard to the hardware aspect i understand baidu is probably approaching it more on the software aspect which is fundamental it's fundamental to cut down the marginal cost of uh, transportation because uh, it scales um, but hardware is also very important so um I'm just curious about the form factors that, that you're using right now and what's in the pipeline. I know you are collaborating with the Geely, with the Beijing Automobile Group, with a bunch of OEMs. So mm -hmm. if you could tell us a little bit more about the business partnerships, but also the what you envision for what the future form factors would be for your um, robo taxis or your robo shuttles. Okay. Hi, Jerry. That's a good question. Actually, uh, for um, Baidu, actually, we actually building up system, including the uh, software and hardware. 
And uh, uh, so we want to use this new AI technology to be able to make auto driving ready. And uh, uh, for the hardware, actually, we are similar, you know, using this uh, high computing system, ruggedized and be able to handle, uh, you know, wide range of uh, temperature range. And also we have this software yeah, built into on top of that one. And we have a, a lot of collaboration with the OEMs. And starting with our uh, for, uh, first generation of the, our vehicles, we collaborate with the uh, ET and we use HQ EV. And on the fifth generation, we're collaborating with the uh, Beiqi and uh, ArcFox generation. And then for the sixth generation, we're starting to have a customized build in-house of the autom fully autom driving ready vehicle. So that's what we're working on. And actually, in uh, Baidu's uh, business, we actually envision uh, we're going to have this overall control from the vehicle to the autom driving uh, suite. With including the software and hardware and the variety of the compute and the variety of the sensors and combine all together, then we can be able to deliver the safety to the society. And back to Alan's question, actually um, safety is top priority. And with that one, exactly we need these open platforms to be able to work all together. We need to bring all the smart people to work together to make sure this can be happened and to ensure all the safety to be able to deliver to the society. And as of the uh, uh, market as at this stage, we see is a pre-competitive market and all the player in the field globally, actually we are working together to making the mobility as a business can be able to commercialize and available to bring a, a new sector of the industry to the society. That's we work together. You're making, you're, you're doing the hardware and the software. Mm -hmm. You're bringing in the vehicle manufacturers mm -hmm. and working together. The operator that you're working, who, who's going to oversee the service? Who's, who's going to set the fares, set the service levels, set the whatever, and so on? Is that Didi? Is that who you look to work with? Or are you going to... You think of franchising these things, or is Baidu going to become a like a DD and operate these? Who 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 who's operating? Who do you see operating these at okay. scale? Let's uh, you know, or wherever you're taking it. Okay, because that, that per you need that entity out there. You know. Yeah, yeah. it's a really good point. There are three players. So one thing is the autom driving. Uh, of uh, uh, autonomous yeah. driving technology provider, which is yeah. actually Baidu, is dominating yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OEMs is vehicle, so we are just yeah. to customize it. And then we also have another is the operation. Very, right. very good point. And currently, because our fleet uh, operation is still in the early of the commercialization mm -hmm. stage, and we complete operating ourselves. And yeah, okay, sure, of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but as the uh, evolving with new technology and evolving with the speed of adaptation in the commercialization, we actually open up to you know all the dimensions. If we can be able to deliver ourselves and meeting all the consumer need, and we'll develop in house. If is the uh, growth is out of uh, quickly and uh, and we actually open up to collaborations. I think uh, uh, as moving to the driverless operation. 
the operation is very, very unique compared to the traditional DDO Uber service. They actually yes. have a lot of interaction with the drivers who is as you know operator to providing the service. Now, actually, you need to build up a team behind it to look at the operation. We also call them operation specialists, but maybe they will use the 5G technology and use become a, a you know cloud driver to providing the command and operations and handle things. And but it's very different compared to the traditional Uber and the DD service. Helen, we want to thank you for spending time with us. Congratulations on all of the yeah. innovations taking place in, in the work that you were involved in. And we look forward to following the progress. And uh, maybe we'll see you out this way <laughs> before long. Thank yeah. you for spending time with us. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much for Fred and Alan and Jerry. It was great pleasure talking with you. And, uh, you. you know, I'm so glad seeing more of the people still, you know, working in this field. And uh, hopefully we will definitely make this one from a dream to be reality and the bring mobility to the globally. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. So as we kind of talked about a little bit, the sixth annual Smart Driving Car Summit is coming up, but not very far away. Let's bring Jerry in to talk a little bit about that. What's on the agenda? Yeah, oh, a lot is on the agenda. You know, the sixth summit, um, I'm speaking on behalf of Professor Kornhauser now, uh, is uh, gonna be built up upon the successes from the previous five summits, including last year's in-person summit at Princeton. Um, what we have always been wanting to do um, is to really scale a, a autonomy to really unleash their societal benefits. Um, in short, wanted, we wanted to make it happen. Um, so we have a few themes for um, this year's summit. Um, scaling autonomy is one. We wanted to talk about the opportunities and challenges for uh, the sustainable development of um, uh, autonomous transit networks, robotaxis, autonomy. Um, we wanted to talk about inclusive ACES, um, which means what we call accessible or automated connected electric and shared mobility. We wanted to focus on the inclusive design aspect of uh, how we can really use this new platform of technology to um, serve mobility for those who currently don't have enough mobility. Um, we want to talk about automation today. Uh, we want to talk about driverless work vehicles. Uh, we want to talk about the latest progress of uh, advanced um, uh, driver assistance system, as well as how autonomy can be well used in places where there are less human present, you know, in the cases of farming, uh, tr uh, trucking, agriculture, military and ports, where we see tremendous um, value today for the application of autonomy. And uh, we also wanted to talk about how we can uh, future-proof 2030, uh, talking about all the um, uh, externalities, if you may say, or impacts of autonomy in our society. We want to talk about uh, how we can address vehicle regulation, um, the insurance industry, um, the urban design and land use for driverless cities, as well as the changing automotive retail market. So there's a lot that we wanted to talk about, uh, Brad. Yeah, yes, there there certainly is a lot that we want to do in that process. We we do we do want to take a pause in a sense because we're as 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 our 
discussions uh, in the previous half hour have, have, have indicated, um, we, we're struggling to get started <clears throat> with the driverless mobility of people. And, and which is, you know, kind of our, our hope and our dream and what we're all focused on uh, would like to see happen as a, as a, as a business. So it has an opportunity to continue on, um, you know, such so it provide it delivers a valuable ride that people are willing to pay for and, and can, survive in the in the brutal economic world ahead and i think one of the things that we haven't done in the previous summits we haven't we haven't focused enough on on the successes with respect to automation drive without drivers driverless automation with oversight by humans of course oversight by humans. I mean, you know, these things aren't going to be really autonomous. I mean, in the true words of meaning of the word autonomy, they're not going to you know, make their own decisions. There's going to be an operating entity. We just heard operating entity figuring out what to do with the vehicles and how to serve the customers, telling the vehicles what the heck to do. They're not going to do it themselves. They'll carry it out themselves, but they're not going to decide to go give Jerry a ride themselves. Cut it out. But we've had we've had enormous success, I believe, with respect to work vehicles on private property in places where, you know, I guess we can argue that it's much easier to do it safely because safety is a constraint here. We're struggling with safety to make it safe enough. But on private property, where you can basically put controls on, on what happens around these vehicles and address the safety things by really having a greater power or less care for the environment that they're operating, these vehicles are out there providing value to customers who are buying them and value to OEMs who are building them. And I guess value to the suppliers who are supplying the, the secret sauce to the vehicles that go out and sell them. So we do want to spend some time understanding how these have succeeded in this marketplace where the safety bar Let's argue, let's just say it right on, it's much lower, okay? And let's see how that those businesses have, have evolved and are doing, I mean, in mining, unbelievable. When we were at, 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 the, uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show, I mean, my goodness, Caterpillar's out there, they're, you know, they're like kid and candy store selling their vehicles to entities who can take advantage, real advantage of that driverless operation because it makes them economically more, better competitive. 
they're able to do the work that they need to do better than having a driver in there. Right. Really you've better. You've mentioned mining and the agriculture. Mining, agriculture, the military. The military got us into this in the first place back in the DARPA challenges. And the military's out there doing in ports, in ports, warehouses. Sure, I, I guess, you know, an Amazon warehouse might have 1,000, 2,000 employees. Or do they have a lot of automation in there, moving things from here to there at time T? They didn't have that automation in there. Who knows? They, they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And so, you know, we're hoping to be able to bring at least the folks that have been so instrumental in building these things as businesses, both on the vehicle side and the operator side, as well as the provider side, the, 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 the people who do the, 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 the code for that. In these where let's, you know, the safety bar is lower. They've been, they've been able to achieve that safety bar. They're buying this stuff. Now, and the, and the return how can on we take that? Pretty clear too, isn't it? We're in part. The, the return on investment is pretty. It, clear. it has to be. I mean, of course, these are these are these are listed companies. Right. They have stockholders. You know, they have to go out there. You know, they have to show, and they are, and apparently, going gangbusters. Jerry, tell, tell us about uh, where people can get more information and what the status is in, in terms of people being able to come out here for it. Yeah, um, uh, the details about the summit can be found on cardsmobility.com slash summit, uh, very easy. And uh, we are receiving a lot of um, interest from all sectors, all the sectors that I mentioned about before. Um, and uh, we are hoping to have a real great reconvening of in beautiful May in Princeton, New Jersey. Yep, and, and, and May twenty second through the twenty fourth. May twenty seventh through the twenty fourth. The format will be similar to what we've done in the past. the The in, intent is to have discussion because this is a discussion. This isn't the sales pitch presentation, whatever. Da 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 da. But we would really like to understand both where the successes are and where the challenges remain, and how we take some of the successes and and meet the challenges that we're facing in sort of, you know, a piece that we're really, you know, kind of committed to do is provide this mobility opportunity to, to people um, who, um, who we think will really benefit from it. Our continued look at opportunities in New Jersey and around the country in places to improve the quality of life of folks is, is substantive. And uh, we have this safety floor that we have to achieve. And I, I guess we're doing a good job at it. We really don't have, you know, the there haven't been any anything serious crashing, except everybody wants to write about, geez, a you know, a, a cruise vehicle went through, a, 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 went over a fire hose. Okay. All right. 
They can fix that, I think. That's fixable. Okay. Let's 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 go and 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 capture the 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 mobility benefits of this because these are mobility providers. It's going to be a great summit once again. I think I don't know. Maybe nobody will show up. Nobody wants to come to Jersey. Nobody. Th- Alan, you I always mean, say that, and then they're here. So uh, I <laughs> we, know. We want, to, we want to thank Helen Pan and Baidu for being so generous with their time with us today. Thank you to CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, for helping to make this podcast possible. CARTS is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. And we want to thank uh, Jerry He, the Executive Director, for spending time with us here today. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also wherever you turn to for your podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon, Apple, Google, Spreaker. You can get smart speakers to play us, too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe, and we'll see you in Princeton next month.